Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, you are a good and holy God. And we thank you for this morning as you have gathered us to worship together. I got to pray that uh, as we hear your word now, you would continue to stir up our minds, attention and our hearts affection to you. I God, that you would embrace us uh, by your spirit, uh, full of grace and mercy. Uh, Lord, that you would have us to repent of sin and to embrace the truth of the gospel and to be transformed uh, by your goodness, Lord, that we may be more like Jesus. Um, God, we thank you for this time. I pray that as we hear your word now, um, we trust that your Holy Spirit will be at work uh, in and through your word. And we ask that you do that for your glory and our joy and that the good news of Jesus would go forth in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Today, well, we return to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, we've had a few weeks off uh, from that as we've had Easter and uh, some other uh, special things go down. And so if you do have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to the end of Deuteronomy chapter 12, and we'll be into Deuteronomy 13 today. Uh, we've called this series The Old School Gospel. Our hope and prayer is that as we see, um, as we uh, study the book of Deuteronomy together, we see how the good news of Jesus is, is all throughout the Old Testament, how all of the Old Testament points us to Jesus, leads us to Jesus, so that when you get to the New Testament and, and Jesus is on the scene, you can see how he is fulfilling all of the expectations from the Old Testament, that we can see how the whole story of the Old Testament is pointing us to the central hero figure, Jesus himself. And so there's, um, we've covered a lot of ground. We've typically been covering several verses and whole chapters at a time. It's our hope and prayer that it'll be kind of an overview uh, to help you springboard into deeper study. And, and so we're hoping that's encouraging to you today. Today, as we continue in Deuteronomy, we see that God's people had been enslaved for, in, in Egypt for several generations and that God, by his grace, set them free. Uh, if you know the story of the Exodus, you know that Moses was leading them uh, out of bondage um, to a land that God had promised them so that they could thrive in their identity as God's people. And there's a great um, truth that we can take away from that is as they are going to the land of promise to, to really embody being uh, the identity of being God's people, that is done after God had freed them by their grace. God is saying, I want you to obey because you're my people. I want you to obey me because I love you. I want you to obey me because I have freed you. And we must never get that system reversed where we think that obedience brings the love of God or obedience brings freedom or obedience brings uh, God's affection, but rather we see that God out of his grace liberated his people and commanded obedience so that they could find true joy as his people. So as we see this story today, I want us to uh, see how this story leads us to Jesus and see how we have stories that fit into God's grand story of redemption. God is this master author who has for generations been weaving this beautiful story of, of liberation, freeing his people to lead them to ultimate joy and communion with him. We see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and that's true in our lives today. So as we continue with this story, we're going to stop at numerous points to see where we find our story connect with this story. So first, I want to start with this question. If we could take a snapshot of your life, think about your life. We're not thinking about other people's lives. Just think about your personal life. If we could just take a, a quick snapshot. How would you describe what your life looks like right now? when it comes to worship and, and connection with God and community with each other and, and influence out uh, for gospel mission? What, if we were to take a snapshot, what does your life look like? And be honest with yourself. Is it riddled with sin? 
Is it riddled with doubt? Is it riddled with fear and hurt? Are you at a season of immense burden and hurt? Is there turmoil in your relationships? Is there doubt in your faith? Do you feel in bondage, maybe uh, spiritually, to some sort of sin or emotional pattern? Is there, is there some hang-up or vice that you're struggling with? I've got mine. We all do. And what we see is that God is a good God who frees His people to live a life worthy of a gospel explanation. So that when people look at our lives transformed by Jesus, there's only one explanation, and that's that Jesus has done something radical and magnificent. So what I hope and pray is that today this will be one step for all of us to go in that direction of living lives of gospel explanations because when my life is over, I hope people can look back and not say, well, well, man, he was really smart. You can laugh at that if you want to. People say, well, he was charming. He was gifted. He was whatever. Or maybe, hopefully, people won't say, well, man, he was a firecracker. Man, he had some anger issues. Man, he was a loose cannon. What I hope happens when my life is over is people could look back and say, man, that guy's life was one big evidence of God's grace. And that's what I hope and pray that is the desire of your heart is that we can live lives worthy of a gospel explanation, that the only explanation is that God has done something gracious and radical for his glory and for your good, and that others will know that goodness. And that's where we're going today. So as you pause and think about what does your life look like, let's move forward and see what God's word has to say. We're going to start with one verse. Deuteronomy 12, verse 28 Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. This is God's word. Do you hear what God's saying there? Be careful to obey all that I command, all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. I don't know about you, but it is my hope and prayer that my life will be the beginning of a legacy for my children and for their children and for their children. I want things to go well for me, but I want things to go well for my family and my grandkids who aren't even here yet, obviously my great-grandkids and generations after me, I hope that my life will be a way to connect generations after me to the gospel legacy that God is inviting us all into by His grace through Jesus Christ. You see, to be a part of this gospel legacy involves action on behalf of God's people. The journey of faith is not passive. God does not save you by His grace and forgive you of sin so that you can sit on the sidelines. Nor do you have to fight and prove your way to even get on the field. God saves you by His grace. He identifies you as His child. You belong to Him. And because of that, He puts you in the game, so to speak, to be part of this gospel legacy, to have influence to generations after you forever. That's kind of weighty, isn't it? I mean, that's a huge verse. I'm like looking at this verse this week thinking, wow, God says, obey these words that it may go well with you and your children after you forever. Wow. I mean, the flip side of that is, 
disobey what I command and things will not go well for you or for your children forever. That scares me a little bit. To think about my sin and disobedience and rebellion having impact on my kids and their kids forever. We see that's the story in the Old Testament. That one person's rebellion leads to disaster for everyone else. That one nation's constant rebellion leads to turmoil for generations and generations. That's how the Bible opens. God creates everything out of nothing, says it's good, creates Adam and Eve, says this is very good, says be fruitful, multiply, thrive as my children, do wondrous things. Obey me. Don't go over there. Don't eat that fruit. They disobey. Sin enters the world through one man, Adam. Things fall apart. Creation itself comes unraveled. Generations later, we got all kind of cool stories, right? True stories in the Bible of like Noah and floods, giraffes. Hey, we're on the boat, you know, those things. Generations later, God's people are in bondage in Egypt. He sets them free. Israel's constant rebellion and doubt leads to constant turmoil, exiles, oppression for generations, generations, and generations. So, We look at this and say, be careful, obey these words that I command you that it may go well with you and your children forever. Flip side of that, disobey and things will not go well with you or your children forever. Now, I don't want to drive fear into your heart. I just want us to have a snapshot to see how good God is to be patient with his people. Because God says, hey, obey me. Because you're my children. Not obey me so that you'll be my children, but you are my children already, and because you're my children, I want you to obey me. And things will go well. I mean, if you disobey, you're not, not my kids anymore. You're still my kids. You're just disobedient kids. And so we see the Lord, through these verses and in the chapter 13, lays out what happens when obedience, uh, what obedience looks like. He says, look, I want you to obey so that things will go well for you and your children. I want you to be connected to this gospel legacy, this grand story of redemption, of good news. I want things to go well with you. And here's what it looks like. It's shown in a few ways. Through worship, through faithful living, and through cultural influence. Let's look at these things because it's, I think it's vital for us to see these things because we can, we can stop at verse 28 and say, I'm going to obey all the words of the Lord and, and do good so that things will go well for me and my family. But then we forget what that looks like. We think that maybe it's just memorizing a set of rules and do's and don'ts. But I think if we look at the verses following that command, we see that it actually involves a little bit broader playing out, if you're with me. First, let's look at worship. Right, he says, be careful to obey, verse 28, be careful to obey all these words that I command you that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. I want to do what is good and what is right. right? Verse 29, when the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? And I also may do the same. You shall not worship, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. They even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. 
Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take away from it. If a prophet, chapter 13, for if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Friends, worship is vital if we are going to obey the Lord so that things will go well for us and for our children for generations after. If we want to be connected to the legacy of God, this gospel story, it involves obedience in worship. Worship is a distinct, a distinct sign of identity, biblically. Like you, you become like what you worship, you reflect what you worship, and so God is commanding his people to worship him. He's saying, look, your identity is, you're my children. You are image bearers. I created you to reflect my goodness. Therefore, worship me so that you can reflect my goodness. You are my children, therefore, worship me. And he gives the warning I'm giving you a land. I'm doing something gracious for you. I'm giving you all of this land so that you can reflect my image and be my children. I'm not giving you this land so that you can go in and not reflect my image, so that you can go in and serve other gods and adopting their practices. Friends, it's horrifying if you read what was going on in that part of the world in that day. It even says it here that they, were, they, were, they would sacrifice their own children in religious rituals. That's scary. That's morbid. That's bizarre. And God says, look, when you go into that land, do not adopt those practices. And so for you and I today, we think, well, Jeremy, I mean, we're not tempted to do human sacrifice, really. I mean, there's no hokaliba, you know, there's none of that going on. But our worship is a condition of the heart. We still find our identity and connection elsewhere, do we not? I mean, the idols of the day may have been statues. The worship practices of the day may have been morbid child sacrifices. But you and I today, maybe we're not faced with statues and child sacrifices, but we're faced with being enticed by status and abusing wealth and abusing influence for selfish gain. Are we not? We are tempted by lust and pornography and sexual practices and abusing God's good gifts such as whatever it may be, drugs, alcohol, abusing God's good gifts such as he, he, he gives you, here he gives them land, says don't abuse it, don't worship other gods. For you, it may, God may be giving you uh, an awesome job or awesome relationships or, or maybe he has given you awesome property or uh, awesome status in your career or whatever. And it's really easy for us to lose sight that we are to worship the Lord in that, and we end up worshiping ourselves or worshiping other cultural idols. I mean, even the idols of the South are very prominent, and sometimes they are very palatable. The South is overly religious and overly culturally proper, but overly in need of the gospel. I've lived in the South my whole life, and some days I want nothing more than to run the opposite direction, just anywhere. <laughs> been in seven countries and dozens of states and God says this is where I put you go worship me there why we're going to get to that why in a second so where does it for you 
Maybe you're here personally struggling with an idol of status or approval or an idol of um, greed or an idol of whatever. Or maybe you're facing the cultural idols of the South where you're thinking, I need to be more religious because religious packaging this way looks better. That's a big one. You know? The thing that's funny about this is there's a very broad range of what worship should look like. God just says, hey, look, I want your mind's attention and heart's affection. It's pretty much where he leaves it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Doesn't say whether you need to tuck your shirt in or not. Doesn't say you need to have a guitar or not, or candles or an organ. Doesn't say whether or not you need to kneel or stand all the time. It's a condition of the heart, a condition of the mind. Doesn't say you need to meet in a certain kind of building or a certain kind of cafetorium. Lord willing, only for one more Sunday. I'll just throw that out there. What does worship look like in your life? Because Scripture says we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are to connect with the Lord, reflect His image. We are to worship Him. And Scripture just lays it out there, man. There's all kind of great stuff if you flip through the Old Testament and New Testament. You worship the Lord through the reading and meditation of His Word. Is that in your life at all? You to, to worship the Lord through song. You don't have to be a good singer. You can just listen. Sometimes that's better for everybody if you just listen. Or sometimes you need to make a joyful noise to the Lord. doesn't matter what kind of song it is as long as it honors the Lord. Through prayer, maybe through fasting, through, communi- uh, to, through discussions and communities. What does worship look like in your life? Because scripture doesn't lay out a style or method, but rather points to the object, the person of our worship, right? And friends, I've seen plenty of people do worship the right way, and they're actually worshiping the worship style, rather worshiping the God that they're supposed to worship. Right, it's, it's, a religious, it's a religious phenomenon. I'm going to worship rightly today. Do you even know who you're worshiping? We're to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. We're to worship the Lord by loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Great freedom in how you do that. That's why I like all of us getting together because, I don't know, it's just fun. Some of us clap, some raise your hands, some kneel, some are quiet, some are loud, some smile, some cry. Praise the Lord. How is the Lord captivating your worship? What? Let me back up and say, where do you find your identity? Because that's what you're worshiping. If you find your identity in your status, you will wake up tomorrow morning, and when you're, before your feet even hit the ground, you're already thinking about what you can do today to serve your status. If wealth has... Wealth can be a blessing from the Lord. I need to lay that out there. Wealth is not bad. But if wealth has corrupted your heart to the point that you were greedy, and before you're even rolling out of bed, you're thinking, how can I get more today? How can I use it for myself today? That is what you're worshiping. If you roll out of bed and say, before your feet hit the floor, thank God I'm not like that person there because I'm living my life better than you are an idolater. And the Lord says we're to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength because we look to Him. And when you open your eyes tomorrow, it's my, heart, my hope and prayer for myself and for you is before you even roll out of bed, you're like, thank you, Lord, that I belong to you because I, I can't even get through the day unless I realize that I'm yours. You are my God. My life is in your hands. You've numbered my days. Lord, may today be one of those days that honors you, brings me joy, and stewards the gospel. That that change everything. 
So to live a life worthy of a gospel explanation, to be connected to this gospel legacy of the Lord, obedience looks like worship, also looks like faithful living. Verse 4, chapter 13, verse 4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. You shall purge the evil from your midst. If your brother, the son of your mother or the son of your daughter or the wife you embrace or the friend who is as your own soul entices you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods, which is neither you nor your fathers have known. Some of the gods of the peoples around you, whether near you or far off from you, at one end of the earth or the other, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, nor shall you, your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and after the hand of all people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God, who you brought out of the land who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and all Israel shall hear and fear and never again do any such wickedness as this among you. I have to be very clear about something. Parts of Scripture are descriptive, parts are prescriptive. Some are nominative, some are normative. What I mean by that is some parts of Scripture are commands that apply to us today as those redeemed in Jesus Christ. Some are descriptive of a season that God had. When it says you were to to kill somebody here, that's not a command for you and I, just so you know. That's, that's I, I need to be clear. We're, getting, we're recorded here. Hello. I need to be very, very clear that Scripture is not saying that we are to go kill false prophets. Mm -mm. For this season, when God was taking his people into this land, what this is displaying is God's jealous love. I mean, God, he's, God is wanting us to understand through Scripture here that God is serious about worship. He is serious about his people. He is serious about his holiness, his name. He is serious about the good for his people. That's what that is to teach us. So don't, I mean, if you meet somebody that's a false prophet, just, I go to Redemption Church. You know, just please don't. (laughs) Jeremy told me, no, no, no. (laughs) No. You see, this is to teach us what faithful living looks like. Chapter 13, verse 4, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. It's a beautiful picture. There's so much action there. It's like little kids following their father on this beautiful hike through the woods. He's like, you were to stay close to your dad. You were to cling to your your dad. Follow him. Listen to his commands. Don't step off the path because there's snakes and pits and everything else. You've got to be careful. Stay. Follow the path. Follow your father. Keep close to him. Cling to him. Listen to him. Things will go well. I mean, I don't know if you like hiking. My... Let's use this example. It's messed me up all weekend. I don't like always using my family as an example, but this is just an example. We, um, we have this great little nature preserve behind our neighborhood, a swamp. 
And there's this nice little boardwalk, and the little kids love to go hiking, right? It's not a dangerous, there's not a lot of rappelling or anything. It's just like a little path and boardwalk. But when it rains, the, the waters come up pretty high. I mean, sometimes it's dry and just muddy, but sometimes, you know, there's probably three feet of muddy water with leeches. And my little twin girls call it the alligator water. We've never seen an alligator there, but sometimes you can just let it slide and be fearfully cautious. And this weekend we were walking down there, and um, I mean, this seriously messed me up. I'll probably cry if I'm not careful. We were just walking along. We all had our hiking sticks, and one of the tw- twins was looking over and toppled over into that muddy water. Freaked my world out. I mean, I was just like Jedi ninja, just <laughs> got her and her hair bow. <laughs> True story. We paid $10 for that hair bow in the market in Charleston. We ain't losing that to the alligator water. But by God's grace, man, everything was okay. It was kind of chilly out. The water was cold and muddy, and I'm afraid of leeches. And I was like, let's. I just grabbed my daughter, who was crying, saying, that was scary, that was scary. And I just hustled home and put her in a warm bath. You know, and I was thinking about this. This is, this is exactly the picture we get. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. Keep close to your father. If not, you're toppling over into muddy, leachy alligator water. And God, by his grace, if we do that, comes and snatches us up out of the mud and holds us close even though we're cold and wet and saying we're scared, we're scared, and saying, I got you, I got you, I will go get you clean, I will get you warm. You know? It's a beautiful picture, I think, of the gospel. And that's what faithful living means. Faithful living means not just not only like doing right. Scripture says that we are to do right and good in the sight of the Lord, but but I want to connect some dots because chapter 12, verse 28 says, be careful to obey all the words that I command you that it may go well with you. So there's, there's obedience and faithful living. We are to obey the Lord. We are to do what he says or to not do what he says, to not do. But there's an element that's vital. Hold fast to him. That's what verse 4 says. You to walk after him, listen to his voice, serve him, hold fast to the Lord. Are you, are you clinging to the Lord for dear life? Because what often is the case is, is we, we approach God in, in just absolute fear. Like scripture says we're to fear the Lord, but it is not the fear of please don't hit me. That's not what fear means. It's a, it's a reverence, worship, like wow, you were so powerful and mighty, I am humbled, I am I'm but a man, fear. We are to hold fast. And so, so often we say, you know, I, I met a guy last summer who just said, I, try, I tried to be a Christian once, but I just couldn't do it right. Because he thought that, that being a Christian means that you have to do a certain number of rules the right way. You have to worship a certain way and do things a certain way. And all the while, God is saying, it's about holding fast to me. It's about clinging to me. Even though you're wet and muddy and dirty and leachy and you smell like alligator water, cling to me. Hold fast to me. When things get bad, where do you run? When things get bad for you, where do you go? When things are hard, do you hit the bottle? Do you hit the pipe? Do you hit your wife? Do you hit the bank account? Do you punch the computer screen? Like, What do you do when things are hard? What do you do? Scripture says, hold fast 
to your Father God. Obey His word. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pray for one another. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. These are the commands that we are to do, and the only way we can even attempt to do them even poorly is to cling to our Father, right? Are, you're probably in here today. If you have any kind of church background, it's probably it's common struggle. It's common struggle all the time where people try to do the right thing, but in the wrong way. <laughs> Right, we say, well, I'm trying to love my neighbor as myself. I'm trying to love God. I'm trying to love, I'm trying to serve. I'm trying to encourage. I'm trying to pray. But if you're trying to do these things without holding fast to God, your Father, you're missing it. You're not connected to the God of your life. Does that make sense? Hold fast to the Lord as muddy, sweaty, and stinky as you are. He is our only hope in life and death is to cling to God, our Father. I do not want to give you a list of to-dos and to-don'ts and send you out there alone. I want, you to, I want you to walk out of here saying, you know what, there's a God who loves me. There's a God who accepts me as I am. He wants me to cling to him in my fear and in my pride and in my dirtiness and in my sin and in my rebellion and my idolatry. He wants me to cling to him and say, please rescue me. Please get me warm because I am cold. Please get me clean because I am dirty. Please take me somewhere safe because I am afraid. That's what faithful living is. And we can bring our filth before the Lord in confidence that we are loved and accepted by Him. So do not go out here and try to obey God's Word apart from clinging to the Father. Cling to the Father and obey His Word. You with me? He wants you to cling to Him. I mean, He he went after His rebellious people time and time again. He is after me, this rebellious, messed up metalhead standing before you. Metalhead is a musical term, by the way. I don't want you to think I have like some sort of, man, what does that mean? What's that guy into? It might be, a, it's not a street drug, it's just music. Let me wrap this up. So we... <laughs> So I want, to, I want to live a life worthy of a gospel explanation. I want to be connected to the gospel legacy with my father and my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to obey the Lord in worship. I want to obey the Lord in faithful living, clinging to him. And finally, this is an important point we mustn't miss. All of these connect, by the way. So don't say, well, I'm going to worship. I'll do the faithful living part later. Or I like faithful living, but worship, whatever. It's all intertwined because it's all in one Word of God right before us here. But the last thing we have to see is cultural influence, and this is important. This is, this is important, right? Where we're to worship the Lord, we're to live faithfully, and we are to have cultural influence. Look at, look at this. It's verse 12, if you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God has given you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their cities, saying, let's go and serve other gods, which you, which you have not known, you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. That's pretty cool, I think. It's like, hey, if you hear stuff going on, go inquire. Go, go pry into it a little bit. Don't, don't run away. Don't just write them off, but go, go search it out a little bit. Right? Behold, if it's true and certain that a certain abomination has been done among you, you shall surely put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devoting it to destruction, all who are in it, 
and its cattle with the edge of the sword. You shall gather all its spoil into the midst of the open square and burn the city and all its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. None of the devoted things that stick to your hand that the Lord may turn in the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy and have compassion on you and multiply you as he swore to your fathers if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments that I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. There's a lot going on there. This could have been three sermons. Maybe it should have been, but we're just going to plow one through. Again, let me stress, this doesn't mean that we go downtown next week and say, there's cultural idols, burn the city to the ground. No, that's not, this is not a prescriptive instruction to us, but there is gospel truth for us in it. God is serious about his glory. He is serious about the care for his people. He is serious about uh, holiness and worship and community and, and faithful living, clinging to him as dirty children to our loving father. But there is an element of cultural influence. Here, we are to live as God's people among those who are not God's people. God gave them cities where people were living that didn't know God. God's like, hey, there's cities. I'm giving you all of these cities. There are inhabitants here. Now, if you hear idols or bad worship or evil things going on, you need to go, inquire, and deal with it. Now, it looks one way for them. We do not put people to the sword or burn cities here, but there are idols in this city in your work, in your neighborhood that need confronting. And God has placed you in areas of influence to confront false idols, wickedness, and to bring hope and joy and peace. Because you cannot worship the Lord rightly and then have faithful living and then discount this element of the Christian life. Because if you are worshiping the Lord rightly and clinging to your Father living faithfully, there is going to be cultural influence in this city, in your neighborhood, in your family in your workplace, with your hobbies. We're to confront cultural idols and display God's faithfulness. We are to step into dirty situations and not just pronounce what we are against, but rather show who we are for. Can I tell you another story? I debated on whether to say this one or not, but, you know... You can podcast any gifted teacher, preacher out there, and my hope and prayer is that I can just show you some evidence of God's grace in my life because one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to meet with you for coffee or have you come by my office and tell me what grace is going on in your life and encourages me greatly to see how God's working in you and through you. And so this may get me in trouble, but whatever. I was very stressed out for the past 36 years, 37. How old am I? I've been stressed out, right? And yesterday I had a moment of intense fellowship with a friend of my neighbor's who was driving like a maniac on my street where my children were playing. And so he came, I I have this awesome little green sign that says slow, it has like a turtle holding a flag, which all that does is incite rage for my entire neighborhood apparently. They're like, that means go fast and drive recklessly, right? No, it's a green turtle, it means go slow. Maybe it should be a red turtle. I don't know. So being the godly man of peace that I am, I'm standing on the curb as this guy is like peeling out of the neighbor's driveway. And I'm like, hey, slow down, buddy. And he gave me the right finger of fellowship. 
I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> so as he stops at the stop sign at the end of my street, and, and my old neighbor, this, this older guy named Al, is like, hey, and he starts yelling. I'm like, oh, yeah, you've made Al mad now. So, you know, Al's out there watering his tomatoes, and I'm like, oh, it's on, you know, and I just... <laughs> I've lost all hope of ever being anything. Let's just finish the story. Um, I'll cut to the the good part because, you know, I said some things I shouldn't have said, and my kids heard me say those things. They were like, Dad, you called that guy a moron. I'm like, that's the only thing you heard? (laughs) You must not have heard the other things. But what ended up happening is the guy came back. He yelled at me you know, whatever. And then he calmed down and said, look, man, uh, I'm sorry. He goes, I was driving like a... And he turned around, which scared me. And I said, Al, you call the cops. This guy's about to beat me down. <laughs> I had my running shorts on. I was like, I'm just going to run, you know? <laughs> so the guy, the guy pulls up next to me and says, uh, he was yelling at me. And then he was just like, look, man, I'm, I was driving wrong. I'm sorry. You know, I didn't... You're right. I shouldn't have been driving that fast. There's kids there. I was reckless. I'm sorry. And I said, look, man, I, I probably shouldn't have yelled at you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we ended up having this brief three-minute conversation where he it was just a hard, hard spot in his life. I felt like such a jerk. I was like, oh, this guy, you know. I'm actually going to try to meet with him this week. I've never met this guy before, but he's a friend of my neighbor. So I, I texted my neighbor and said, I had just met your friend. And my neighbor didn't have many nice things to say. He was, yeah, that guy. I was like, oh, okay. Well, now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> I'll feel extra sorry for the poor guy. It's like, man, this guy, he's, a, he's just a hard season. So, I'm, uh, you know, I have it in my devised plan for the week to meet up with this guy because he really, in like three minutes, just revealed a lot of hurt, a lot of hard stuff going on. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not. Um, I don't suspect that he doesn't, but... He probably suspects that I don't. He'll probably win me to Jesus this week. He's like, man, I just want to share the gospel with you. Me too. Oh, win. <laughs> but all that to say is I had a moment where I was able to confess sin to the guy. I just said, look, man, I was wrong. I said, I think we should, we should both start over. We should have a do-over. My name's Jeremy. And he introduced himself to me. We shook hands. And uh, I beat myself up about it all night last night. Because I'm a perfect guy. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be proclaiming the gospel. And here I'm yelling at this guy. Here's what I'm getting at. This is one small example of, I think, a big picture of what Christians, church in general, do. That guy was wrong. He was speeding. He was wrong. I was right to confront him. Was I not? I was. I was in my right to confront him, to protect my children. But a friend of mine, a movie maker, once said, what's the good of keeping the law if you don't love the ones the law protects? (laughs) I was like, wow. Wow. Um, so in that moment I realized you know cultural influence here God places us in places to steward grace and hope and peace and good news and to love others who are hard to love who are wrecking their lives and maybe wrecking yours to guys who may run your kids over or who are made doing something destructive in your city or in your workplace or in your school people who have filthy mouths people who do filthy gross despicable disgraceful things friends in a couple weeks we will be having a worship service in our new building lord willing and that part of town gets tons of foot traffic 
There will be parades coming this summer that probably will make most of us cringe and uncomfortable. And it's my hope and prayer that we will not be like Jeremy running after the right thing in anger or that we would not be trying to uphold the law without loving the people. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to share with you what I'm learning here. And if there needs to be some awesome rebuke, man, rebuke me. I want to repent. I want to grow. I'm just trying to share personal examples to connect with you. And um, I don't, you know, whatever. So all that to say is this. I need to wrap it up. I know. So we look at what God is doing in his story, this gospel legacy, saying, I want you to obey me, live a life worthy of a gospel explanation in your worship, in your faithful living, in your cultural influence. Where has God placed you for that? We see that time and time again, God's people dropped the ball. They were exiled. They had Roman occupation. They had all this stuff. And then Jesus sets foot on the scene. Jesus sets foot on the scene. And says, I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to fulfill all of these expectations. I will be the true worshiper of God Almighty. I will be the true culturally relevant, influencing guy. I will have dinner with prostitutes and sinners. And I will love them with the love of the Lord and point them to the grace of the gospel and win them back and rescue them. Jesus did everything that God's people were to do and dropped the ball for generations. From Deuteronomy all the way to the book of Matthew, you read time and time again, God says, I want you to worship me, be faithful and have influence. And God's people say we're going to worship other gods we are not going to be faithful and we're going to just isolate ourselves because we don't like other cultures or we're just going to dive in not for influence but just to love the culture it's what god's people did time and time and time again it's what they still do today our only hope is christ here's what jesus does jesus comes on the scene lives a perfect life dies death as a substitute comes back to life goes to be with god the father sits at his right hand saying hey it's finished it's done i've rescued my people he sends his people out to the world his apostle says take this good news i'm going to to anoint you and empower you with the Holy Spirit to speak my truth, to embody my truth, to write it down. One of those guys was a guy named Peter, one of my favorite apostles because he was a raging, foul-mouthed fisherman, and I love the guy. And so here's what Peter writes a little bit later, wrapping up all of this gospel truth. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2. He says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you hear that good news? You are a people because of Jesus. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? That you may proclaim his excellencies. Not yell what's right and wrong. Not yell... Whatever, not to indulge in whatever, it's to proclaim the excellencies of Him. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Praise the Lord. Verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of this flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. You know what that means? I mean, Gentiles was a broad description in this context of people who aren't God's people. Keep your conduct among them. That means you have to be among them in order to keep your conduct among them. Does that make sense? And some of us don't like to be among them because we just don't like them. So we'd rather not be among them thinking we're being pure. But God's word here says, hey, look, be among them. And while you're among them, keep your conduct pure. I dropped the ball on that yesterday, y'all. I'm just repenting before you. I had to ask my kids to forgive me. I had to ask my wife. I had to ask the Lord. I had to ask that guy. I had to ask my neighbor. I had to ask Al. <laughs> Al. Not Al. 
So I think I'm going to move because I'm embarrassed. This happens about every four years. There's another incident that happened about four years ago. If you were around, you remember the cigarette incident. We'll talk about that another time. Not me. I wasn't smoking. But my neighbor, my neighbor set my yard on fire, and it made me mad. Oh, we're off topic. Let's get back to the Lord's Word, right? So here's what I want us to know, friends. It is my hope and prayer that God is shaping us to be true worshipers, true faithful livers, true cultural influencers for God's glory and for our joy. And uh, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want you to know Jesus who loves you and accepts you as dirty and stinky as you are, loves and accepts me as dirty and stinky as I am. In Christ, we have hope, we have peace, we have communion with the Lord. Because of Jesus, we can cling to God our Father, saying you are our only hope, clinging to him while we are wet and dirty with leeches and alligator water on us. If you're not a Christian, we want you to know Jesus. If you are a Christian, I want you to join me in repenting of our idols and unfaithful living and from being detached from cultural influence. Are you detached from cultural influence? Do you see your mission field as your house, your neighborhood? I mean, I forget that sometimes. My neighborhood is my mission field. So if you're like me, we need to repent of that and believe the gospel that the Lord may transform us to worship, be faithful, and culturally influence. We're going to have a time of response now, as we do every Sunday at Redemption Church, and we have opportunities for us to respond by meditating on Scripture, uh, have opportunities. The worship band is going to come back and lead us in music. If you want to sing as a response, if you need to meditate where you are, if you need to talk with somebody, please do that. We have a giving basket in the back. Before you, you'll see a table set for the Lord's Supper. We celebrate every Sunday representing who Christ is and what he's done for us. We have the bread that represents his body that was broken and the wine or juice that re- represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. In Christ, we have a new identity. In Christ, we can worship the Lord rightly. In Christ, we are transformed to be faithful in the way we live, and we are empowered by his grace to be influencers in culture for his glory, our good, and the gospel may advance. And so if you're a believer, we invite you to come worship in this way to partake of it. You'll see the bread, the wine, and juice set before you. As an aside, logistical note, if you have food allergies like gluten uh, issues, we have uh, a separate container for you. So if you need that, we have the gluten-free crackers and a separate bowl for you. If you are not, um, if that doesn't apply to you, please don't use that one. Um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, you are a good and holy God. You are gracious to your people as you've been throughout generations. And we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for Jesus who lived the life we should have lived, died a death as our substitute, who rescues people from Satan, sin, death, idolatry, reckless living, God, I thank you that because of Jesus, we can cling to you as our Father, knowing that we are loved and accepted and rescued. And God, that you take us to safety, to clean us up, and to embrace us, to be with you forever. So Lord, I pray that that truth would ring true to our hearts and minds this morning. God, for those who don't know you, I pray that you would ignite an understanding in their minds and that you would open their hearts to receive the gospel. God, for those of us who do know you, who identify as your people, God, I pray that you would bring us to repentance. God, that you would cause us to repent of pride, of fear, of anger, of whatever it may be. Lord, that you would humble us. 
uh, and help us become more like your son, Jesus, for your glory and for our good and the gospel would advance. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
just a couple quick announcements before we go. If you have a bulletin, you'll see that there's tons of stuff going on.